You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Lena McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what is going on, sir? Not much. Uh, ready to uh, talk some more Cowboys today. As always, we have zero news. There's nothing going on. So, uh, unfortunately, we're just going to make it. I, I mean, I make this joke every... I feel like I make this joke all the time, but there's always stuff going on. And I guess now there's just a lot more than there should be going on. Yeah, and that's why you guys need a daily podcast that covers the Cowboys. Not one that's just weekly or monthly. This, this we, we cover everything. Um, I want to go ahead and start with some news that happened yesterday after uh, we recorded our podcast. But uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers officially released Gerald McCoy. Um, that move was kind of rumored to be happening all offseason long. They've been talking about uh, it forever. I, you know? Yeah, yeah. And we I think we even mentioned it on the show yeah. a couple times before. But um, now that it's official, I think we need to talk about it. Is Gerald McCoy someone that you would consider signing, Landon, even after drafting Tristan Hill in the second round? I mean, I think it's all it's it's all about the particulars with this thing. I mean, generally speaking, uh, I think it's difficult because you know, there's so much to the fit. I think, generally speaking, is he a good fit for what we do? Yes. Uh, could he provide something to the team? Um, I I, th- I think so. I mean, I think you know he could definitely he's. Say what you will about the guy. I mean, he's had injury problems at the different times. Mm-hmm. He's been a like a paragon of consistency. You know, I mean, like doesn't miss very many games. Yeah, no. I mean, and he's had at least six sacks. I don't know, seven years in a row, <laughs> something like yeah. that. Or I mean, I mean, he can rush the passer. He, he's yeah, he, still good at that. He's still good at rushing the passer. So I think it comes down to what is he looking for. Because I heard someone, and I thought this was outrageous, but who knows? I heard someone say that he could likely get cut from the Bucks and then end up making more money than what he was due this year. That he was due strange. Thir- to he me. was due thirteen million dollars this year. So, well, if that was the case, then that team that would have signed him for more than that would have traded a late round pick for him, right? So, you, so you got him at a cheaper amount. Maybe to me it seemed. Yeah. yeah to me, it seems like the number would be somewhere between what. Seven to ten million for a year or two. Yeah, I mean, I, I have concerns. Like, I mean, because here's the thing: it, this is if it's a one-year deal, right? Then you're you're hoping to leverage the okay. You play him for a year, and then what? You get mm-hmm. a, a comp pick when he signs someplace else, potentially. Yep. Is he going to get enough sacks? Is he going to get enough snaps to like get the deal? Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I, I think I'd, I need to know the particulars. I, I need to know how much the money it is, like how that affects, you know, what what else is going on with signings. Um, I, I think it's a bold move. I think, and I think I def, if they did it, I definitely would be for it. Um, I can understand if it's a one year deal and they don't feel like they have the cap money, uh, that would be 
difficult. But I, 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 I basically what I'm getting at is I don't know that I'm interested in a long term deal. If he's interested in coming here on a one year deal with you know and being a little bit flexible on cost, I'm a, I'm all in. I think, but if if he's not, which he may not be, I mean, there may be more, uh, uh, you know, of a market for him than that. Then I'm not necessarily trying to get into a bidding war for for him. I think at this point. All right, so I'll give you a couple reasons why I'm interested. First of all, if it's anywhere under ten million dollars, that's when I'm interested, right? If it gets above that number, I think that's where I'm out. I'm looking at just some guys that got paid. You know, more than $10 million this offseason, like a Malik Jackson. Uh, Malik Jackson got three years, $30 million from the Eagles. I think he's a better player than Malik Jackson. Uh, Sheldon Richardson got $12.5 million a year from Cleveland. I think he's a better player than Sheldon Richardson. So, I, again, at that point, I, that's just a value play right there. Um, and, and, again, I can find the money. I can cut Alan Hearns and save $5 million. If you really get down to it, you could cut Tyrone Crawford and save five million dollars there. there. There's a lot of different things that you could do to, to free up money. So that's not really the concern for me. Mine is the fit, um, and I think the fit makes a lot of sense. He, he, Gerald McCoy has openly talked about how much he loves Rod Marinelli and how great of a defensive coach Rod Marinelli is. Uh, McCoy has talked about how he would like to play for the Cowboys. He talks about how much he respects Dak Prescott as a leader and as a quarterback. And for a team that's going to be playing some pretty young defensive tackles, Tristan Hill, who I think needs a year or two to kind of get up to speed, and we know that traditionally three techniques, they, they don't have a lot of production right away. I think Gerald McCoy is the perfect bridge. Sign him for a one-year deal, give him a lot of incentive base, so, you know, sack total, so if he, if he gets eight or nine sacks, he gets a little bit more money. Um, I, I just feel like this is... The smart teams, the teams like the Patriots and the Eagles and the Rams, they're always looking for pass rush. And if you can get a perennial Pro Bowl player on a fairly reasonable deal for one year, I'm all in. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I, I agree with all that. I mean, I, I think one-year deal, uh, incentive-based, if he's willing to come in, I mean, look, all those things do line up. You're right. I mean, also on top of that, he he's from Oklahoma City, so I guarantee you he's he's an older player too, yeah. I, I, which means that he's he was definitely a Cowboys fan growing up. Oh, yeah, yeah he, he tweeted about how he was a Cowboys fan. <laughs> yeah, I'm so, I mean, yep. I think there are a lot of things that I, I, I can see why the Cowboys are, uh, you know, very much on this list because all of those things fit. Everything fits. It's it's a lot, but I mean at the same time, a lot of that stuff fit for Earl Thomas too, you know. And so uh, it's it's about you know the the financial fit because that's what this is really all about. Like I said, if he's willing to take an incentives deal, if he's willing to take something for like less than like yeah like eleven million guaranteed. Uh, or for one year or whatever, I mean, I'm I'm in for that. Like, I think, I think he can. I'm, I'm in. He, he can yeah. he can definitely help the team one way or another. And if he's willing to get on board with a role, like, because I think that's the other thing is that he'll be, he's used to playing. I mean, go watch, look at his numbers. He's used to playing 50 plus snaps a game. Like, that's definitely yeah. not going to be what's happening here, even with that money. I don't think so. Uh, I think he'll probably be closer to a forty snap fa- ga- a game guy. I think that will help him, but I, oh, I also think. I th- but I want. It, but he has to be on board with that. Uh, so we'll see how that works out. But look, I mean, if this, 
I'm not holding my breath here, but if this happens, I mean, it could be a huge boost for uh, a defense that, you know, I mean, like we, we talked about some of the things with, um, you know, the issues with what happens with you know, Crawford potentially being out week one, Gregory being potentially out. I mean, you know, now, right now, officially out. Uh, and then, you know, with, with, uh, uh, Lawrence with the surgery, you know what's what's this? Could there be some early pass rushing issues? Getting a guy like uh, uh, McCoy in there would really, despite him being a defensive tackle, uh, I, because he's a three technique and that is really the pass rushing jewel in this defense. Uh, I think it would really kind of, you know, mitigate a lot of the, those losses if if we can't have those guys. Yeah, and I think it also gives you more insurance in some of the players behind you, right? Because Malik Collins has struggled to stay healthy. He's entering the last year of, uh, of his rookie deal. I mentioned Tristan Hill, Tyrone Crawford, again, you mentioned. So you just, you're just you adding proven veterans to this team. And, and you know we know how important this defense is going to be this year and how important that three technique is. If you can get a guy like McCoy at this stage in the, in the free agent process, I think that'd be a home run. It's going to be interesting to see where he goes because I almost guarantee you anywhere he signs now, he's going to have to be a part of a rotation. I saw... I think it was Adam Schefter mentioned that the Browns are one of the front runners. Well, they just signed Sheldon Richardson to a big deal this offseason. They have Larry Obenjoye there. Yeah, uh, uh, he's gonna I, he's gonna have to play in a rotation there as well. I think the Browns are just a, uh, in there because of cash. I would imagine. Uh, you know, like to me, the front runners are probably more likely the Patriots. Um, but but that's the same kind of thing. No, though. I, I, mean, no, I agree. I, I, no, no, no. I, I'm sorry. I yeah. was I, I was not disagreeing with your overall point. I I, I, I was more disagreeing that I thought the Browns was a, a location. Mm. I agree. I, I think that likely wherever he's going, he 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 is going to be part of a rotation. I, I think so. Uh, I, I, I mean, there's there are. I think there are opportunities for him out there if he wanted to go there and be the guy. I, I think that that he could probably get sure. that. So if that's what he's looking for then we might get a little bit more ruled out. But I, I can't imagine that if he's going to be part of a rotation, like you've, like you've very well laid out, there are all the ancillary things, all the kind of you know small things that would push you one way or another, those line up for the Cowboys in a big way. But, but, but again, that's not what makes these deals happen. As the Earl Thomas situation shows us, it's cash is what makes these things happen. So... That's what really, the, the, really quick. Yeah. If you needed a defensive tackle, who would you rather have right now, Ndamukong Sue or Gerald McCoy? Because they're both out there in free agency. Well, I mean, I think the, I think if, if this thing means anything, it, it means that they would rather the the Buccaneers have chosen to have Ndamukong Sue, right? Because I, I the, the the rumors I'm hearing is that the Bucks have cut Gerald McCoy with the idea that they already have a a, a deal agreed to. With Indomitian Sue, have you not heard that too? Maybe I my yeah. I mean, just well, you are our Tampa Bay whisperer. <laughs> <over there. You laughs> yes, I got a lot of uh, connections still there. Yeah, no, no, I, I just I, I've heard that that's that's that that's the case, and that that you know, he's but but that I mean that's also sense. at a lower number, I would imagine. So, I, you know, for us, I think that I think if we're gonna pay money, any kind of money, that I would rather have McCoy. Because I not, think, not I mean, I think there's not even really a choice. I mean, like, because I, I think for, you know, for Sue, his despite as good as he is, and he is incredible when he wants to play. I mean, I probably want to play him at one technique, right? Like, I mean, just let him destroy probably, blocking yeah. schemes and just be disruptive. I don't know that I tr- trust him with the discipline of playing three technique all the time. Yeah, and I think when you factor in personality, yeah, 
and fit. I think Gerald McCoy probably fits a little oh, better. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, he look, look, it's it's pretty. It's it's like I said, it all all that stuff kind of adds up. It's it's it very well lines up for the Cowboys in a lot of ways. It's really just comes down to money. All right, our next question comes from Jack. Uh, he says, "I'd like Landon to answer this question." Uh-oh. Is the very reasonable podcast Mosier or the doom and gloom Twitter Mosier the real Marcus Mosier? This is a quick question. This is a good question. I saw this one, and I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, Yeah, they're both the the same guy. Listen, look. All right, Marcus, turn your ears off for a second. (laughs) Marcus is smart, guys. Like, he, he gets this. Like... When Marcus says what he does, like during games, it's just that he's figured out instead of just quieting that voice that may pop up in people's heads before reason sets in, he realizes that he can monetize that voice by just tweeting it out and causing an uproar, and then people, you know, like tweeting back at him and causing a stir, and 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 that's how he gets a, a ton of followers. And it's it's fucking genius, guys. <laughs> it's genius. But I got you. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll cut that one out. Uh, but it's uh, it's. It's. I mean, it is what it is, and and it, if you are upset by it, which you know I, I get upset by it all the time, that's fine. But it, you have to also realize that it's it's very uh, it's it's contrived, and it's it, he's he's honed it. And uh, look, very reasonable. Mark Marcus is a very reasonable person. So every mm. every one of us has these uh, uh sometimes every one of us has these kind of crazy uh uh reactions immediate in the moment reactions mm-hmm. we just haven't figured out like i said how to weaponize it the way that marcus has listen the the real true part of this is is i am still 100 percent a fan yes of this team, yes right yes and, and, absolutely and when, when i'm when i'm watching a cowboys game I, the, part of me can't separate being a fan in, in analysis, right? I have to, I, I can't, I can't do one or the other. I have to do both. So when something upsets me in the game, instead of just venting to whoever else is in the room with me, I like to vent to my Twitter friends, and you guys keep me in check sometimes. So uh, that's honestly the truth of it. It's uh, w- w- normally when we record these podcasts, it's like 24 hours after the game. I have time to reflect, and I have time to think about what I'm going to say. Uh, so that's really what it is. It, it's 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 whatever. Um, <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and answer some more of your guys' Twitter questions um, about Marcus. Let's talk. Let's, let's talk more about no, Marcus. No, I don't want to do that anymore. Uh, so a lot of people are just kind of asking about Ezekiel Elliott and his off the field incident. We we talked about that yesterday yeah. on our running back preview podcast. But a lot of people are wondering, does this impact his potential long-term contract, or do you think the Cowboys are now maybe a little bit more likely to kind of let him play out this deal, let him play out the fifth-year option, and see where we're at maybe at, by the end of the 2019 season, maybe by the end of the 2020 season? It, it, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. I, I mean, I think, to me, it's it, it, ha- it probably has some effect, but probably not moving the needle too much. I mean, yeah, they, maybe they use it as... I mean, in, the only way that I think it does is that the Cowboys may use it as an excuse to potentially push oh, 100%. Uh, to next year if that's what they want to do. But I, I think that if they want to sign him, which I, I think they do, uh, mm-hmm. they, you know, the only thing is about is really when. And, and how does it, you know, for how much? And I think... I don't know. It's going to affect the how much. It may affect the win. 
If if that's yeah. what the Cowboys want to, they may want to sign him soon. But if they decide that now nah, it's probably better for us to kick it down a year because we got him for another year, uh, this may be the public, you know. Maybe they don't outwardly say it, but they kind of use the hints of, oh, maybe we just want to make get another year. Blah, blah, blah. They kind of use the the shadow of this incident to, as their cover for for you know kicking the can a year. I don't think it's the worst idea in the world either to let Zeke play on the fifth year option. I think the fifth year option is still going to pay him like nine or ten money, million yeah. dollars. A year. Yeah, it's a fourth so overall pick. It, it, it's it's not like he's a sixth or seventh round pick who is not going to be getting paid at all. He's still going to be one of the highest paid running backs in the league before he even gets to, to his second contract. So I, I do think we will hear this used in negotiation tactics. Uh, you know, we're going to hear it in the media whenever the Cowboys get to the point where they want to discuss a contract extension with Zeke. Um, I'm not sure when that's going to happen. My kind of gut feeling is it'll be next offseason. I don't think they're going to mess with it this year. Uh, but I do think it's going to be somewhat of an issue for them going forward. Um, next question from our friend John Owning. And this is a great question. Yes. Rank the roster by their wardrobe. Finally, uh, we're that, getting to the business that the people want to hear. I, I mean, <laughs> apparently. So let's do this. Who is the best dressed player on the team? Who is the worst dressed player? Best dress is probably Jalen Smith. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. Um, I would go Byron. Byron's, Byron's pretty, good. pretty sharp. He's nice Byron, tight. I would describe yeah. as sharp. You know, yep. but but Jalen has Jalen has like his own kind of style, which I, I dig. Um, worst dressed, uh, I mean, you could say Jason Witten because he's an old man and just like I mean, just just as <laughs> stale as hell. But no, I, I'm going to go with. Uh, hmm. Here, give me yours. You, you give me you give me your worst dress. Joe Looney. I'm not a big fan of Joe Looney's wardrobe sometimes. sometimes a lot of t-shirts, a lot of shorts. Uh, sometimes even on game day, it's it's a little rough looking. Uh, the beard needs trimmed, so I'll go with Joe Looney. Okay, Joe Looney. Um, yeah, I'm going to say probably... Uh, Sean Lee. I mean, he just looks he just uh, looks yeah. kind of silly in whatever he wears, frankly, most of the time. Well, to be fair, he he's from Pennsylvania, like I there am. We go. have no idea. Yeah. We're, we're we're just used to dressing for the cold, yeah. not for style. Probably so. not for style as much. No. No. All right. Uh, our next question comes from Carlos. Uh, he says, "List your following. Who is the most overrated player in the team? The most underrated, and a player that needs to rebound." So let's go ahead and start with the most overrated player on the team. Oh man. Most overrated player on the team. It's tough. That that one is tough. Mm. Here, do you have something? You go ahead. You go first. I don't, I, this is tough for me. <clears throat> yeah, th- this one's really, really hard for me. Um, I, I think at this point I would probably go with <laughs> Zeke. But not not because Zeke is a bad player. Overrated I think and underrated for this team specifically is hard. It's tough. Because I, I would, the public I, I, perception on this team is so yeah, crazy yeah. that it's like, it's tough. I, I, I would go Zeke, not because I don't think he's a great player, but I think people believe he is the reason why this team wins a lot of games. And I still think Dak doesn't get enough credit. Yeah, so that's funny. My most overrated would be Zeke. My most underrated would be Dak. I was just going to say, my most underrated without a doubt is Dak, though. Um, because I think people still don't understand that Dak is a good quarterback because they can't recognize that he's a good quarterback while being a different quarterback than Tony Romo. 
right. think people really, really, really are struggling with Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Um, and I was even there last year. Sure. I, I, even no, at I mean, certain I, points I, last year, I, I felt the same once you, I mean, look, I, I, it, I think at a certain point you have to turn off you have to look at results. Like it's a results oriented league. And I think there's, there's results in what he does and it's not always pretty sometimes, but the results of what he does are very pretty often. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Overrated, I guess. Uh, I, I thought Antoine Woods played really well last year. Oh, that's a good, but one, yeah. I, I just don't know that he's like, I mean, yeah, he's, he's talking like he's coming in here like he's gonna try to sign a big contract with the Cowboys, and I, you know, dude, like he was good and he was better than all the other nose tackles we brought in. There's no doubt about that. But I mean, there were times when I thought Daniel Ross was every bit as good as mm-hmm. Antoine Woods. So um, yeah, I would go there. Not that he's even rated that highly. It's just surprising. And and as far as needs to rebound, I mean, it's Travis Frederick. Yeah, that's a good one. If you're looking from a health standpoint, I think that's a good one. Who, who um, do you got? The one, uh, the one for me is uh, Chris Jones, Cowboys punter. Yeah, I know okay. we don't talk about special no, teams very much, point. but he did not have a very good. We year should last though, year. because that's a good point, and that's the thing is that uh, you're right. Because Chris Jones, I mean, this is a team that's a you know, a, if you're going to play complementary football, punting's got to be a big part of that, whether people want to mm-hmm. talk about it or not. And I, you're right, that's a good one because Chris Jones did not have a great year last year. Um, all right, let's go ahead and talk about this one. I, we, we talk about safeties a lot for the Cowboys mm. and their importance and their devalued. And I mean, we spent I don't know how many days talking about Taylor Rapp and uh, Jonathan Abram on this podcast. But Carlos asked this question. Uh, everyone always says that Rod's defenses don't need or don't have a great safety. So what was John Lynch? When are they oh, going to attempt to have a guy like that? You don't like want to do that? this. You don't want to do this. Go ahead and fill us in our Tampa Bay correspondent. You want to talk about most overrated players? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. Here we go. Listen, John Lynch was a fine player. Um, John Lynch was basically a slightly better version of Bill Bates. For the for the <laughs> that's a fire. Take that's right not. There. I, I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's not. He 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 was. Look look the the position that what you're asked to do. The problem is is that it was a more valued position back then, you know. But I mean, I, he was that, a basic. That's 100 right. Yes. How much better? Okay, I'm sorry, but how much better is was John Lynch playing in the box than Roy Williams? Not different. I mean, you're talking about two completely different NFLs. So, like, when he was in Tampa Bay, that was from, what, I think 93 to 2003 mm-hmm. or something like mm-hmm. that. And, and Roy Williams, uh, Roy, that's, Williams that's a came, different game. Roy Williams came in from, from like, what? like uh, what year? 2002. Yeah, so Roy Williams came in at the end of that era, right? Mm-hmm. So if you had put Roy Williams on Tampa Bay and and put uh, uh, John, on, uh, John Lynch on – the Cowboys in that point. era. Yep. How would how do you think their careers would have been different? Because I think oh, I think I think Roy Williams would have been fantastic. Roy Williams would have been uh, what Sean Taylor. <laughs> you Absolutely. know, like yeah. we, we, we revere him like that. You know, I mean, because think about what he was doing at Oklahoma, even when he like and think about what he was doing with the Cowboys when his role was limited to what he could uh, does best, and when Woody was still here. Like right. my point is, is that. If a player is put into a position to do what they do best, they can reach incredible levels. But that doesn't necessarily mean that 
man, you know what, <laughs> Marcus? It's a lot like uh, the running back position. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy, it's not a hard position to get, you know, competent production from. But there is difference between having an elite safety and having a, a competent safety there. I, I don't think it's the difference between making and breaking your team, which, again, may or may not be an argument for the running back as well. But I think that there is difference and there is value to having an elite player at that position versus the average. I just think that the middle class to the lower middle class of that position and of of the box safety and of running back, there's mm-hmm. there's no difference. There's no separation. So why pay any different for, for for you know anything less than the top five running backs or anything less than the top five strong safeties? And well, that's the, why the, we liked Earl Thomas so much, right? Because yeah, he was so he much was better than because he was mean, better. Right? Yeah, exactly. And that's my argument for why you're paying Ezekiel Elliott is that because he's elite. What he does is, is uh, he has a, incredible elite traits. Uh, being not, not being good, not just average or above average, being good at almost every single aspect of the running back position and being you know imminently healthy and, and being able to take a pounding, that's, that, those are elite traits. It may not show up like Saquon Barkley at times. And I think that that's, it's, strong safety is the same thing. The value mm-hmm. there, the, the thing that takes that player over the top that makes them special, you know, is is one or two elite traits that 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 make them. You know, Cam Chancellor, he was huge. So it was basically like having a linebacker on the field, a, a fourth linebacker on the field, or a third linebacker on the field, depending on the defense, and he could cover tight ends like a safety. So I think if you have those elite traits, you pay for those elite traits. But with strong safety and with running back, if you don't have those, then it's okay with getting by on you know average to upper you know upper average you know better than average players at the position because sure. I think it's it's there's no effect difference until you reach the elite echelon of player. And I think in this defense, if you have athletic linebackers that can run sideline to sideline, but also can drop back in coverage and get a lot of depth in their drops. The safeties just aren't that important, yeah, right? Well, because now, yeah, that's the other argument, too, is this, 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 yeah. the scheme part, right? Right. And, and I think on this team with Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch, you don't really need that in-the-box, no. physical, strong safety anymore because it's going to be Vander Esch and, and Jalen Smith that are making all your tackles. So you're better off just getting or not investing a lot of money in that position, being more athletic and getting guys that can cover rather than guys that come down to the box in our physical presence because, frankly, there wasn't a – I didn't see a safety like in this draft that is more physical than like a Jalen Smith, obviously. I'd much rather no. have Jalen Smith running around in the field, you know, making those plays. So John Lynch lived it, in it, an era when running backs ruled, and you needed a guy sure. like that to run around and make these tackles. That, that's not the case anymore. So that, that job doesn't have nearly the value that it does anymore. So a John Lynch Absolutely. is a replaceable player nowadays, likely. Absolutely. All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you guys next time. <laughs>